We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings, AT&T, Pebble Beach, Pro-Am, the most fun time of the year, the best tournament that we have. This might as well just be the Corn Ferry Finals, Saudi Internationals this week, too. We'll recap Farmers and a little bit of Dubai, which concluded on Monday morning. Thrilling tournament just to kind of follow along with all week over in the Middle East, plus the one and done, the quick picks and everything that you need to know. Reminder to play in the DraftKings Listeners League It is down in the description right now, 3,000 we fill it early. We get it bigger for Phoenix, bigger for Riviera, because we have some amazing tournaments coming up the next few weeks. This one, not one of those amazing tournaments, more of a warm-up than anything else. And then if you want to do your research, get your stats, generate your lineups, make your bets, go to fantasynational.com slash mayo. Get yourself 20% off. Okay. Hey, smash the like for the episode and sub to Mayo Media Network, rating review on the audio podcast. As always, in the comment section, give me your favorite for next week in Phoenix. You only have, let's say you have a hundred bucks, you can only throw it on one player, and we're already a week out from Phoenix. Who's that gonna be as we get the lead in from the Super Bowl? Jeff Feinberg, the community wins on Max Homa, the biggest win. Maybe in the history of the community for people tipping Max Homa, this is usually the circumstance where you win and I lose, but it was the reverse for like the first time ever. Oh, whatever. Congrats to everybody. All the Max Homa backers. He's so he's so likable. He's so easy to cheer for. Uh, have no problem watching all of you cash your tickets as uh, that came through on Saturday. I swam around it. Good players win. I kind of only swim around the good players. Uh, went to Sung JM instead. Oh, Max does it again. The California wizard. Well, I mean, I don't understand how that you didn't have Homa, considering I heard that you bet 84 players this weekend, and I guess he just wasn't one of them. 
Me, I bet six players. I know, I know. I saw some some jabroni. In our, oh I, yeah, I, some guys like how you're because some guy tweeted replied to my card that why did you bet all these before the tournament started? Said don't why like waste time with all these losers? Just bet John Rom, and then uh, like Tim Anderson and everybody else who I guess decided to bet John Rom at four to one. Uh, this person, well before the tournament ended, wanted to tell me how right I was and. I should have listened. And I was like, listen, man, I bet good players. I I'm not changing my strategy. I was never betting the guy at four to one. Like I meet my quota every year. I make myself happy. I do what I do. I'm not changing that. Like I'm not changing it. John Rom didn't John Rom's talent had yet to scare me making golf bets, but I certainly wasn't betting him at plus um, four fifty. And yeah, uh, congrats to um, all the home betters who who cashed a nice profitable ticket instead. Uh, I don't know how much you want to get into it. I do have one comment, though, and I also kind of noticed it with Rory. Um, the favorites are so low, Pat, and I don't know how you value algorithm it. I didn't bet either of them live. I mean, their pre-tournament price was low. Their live prices. I, I saw I, I, I saw you put this out and I actually did agree with you. Not that I made the bet, but when Rom was in second place or whatever it was, and all of a sudden he was like plus 200 to win. That was a substantially better bet than betting him at four to one before the tournament. Cause at least you knew where he was. Yeah. yeah give me Rom at plus like 190 plus 210 with 24 holes left, like two, maybe even three strokes back at times. That's a way to me, my value algorithm. Now, listen, I'm not betting live two to one. I've already committed to the tournament. I'm just saying that makes so much more sense than um, for like, that seemed like a better value algorithm play than four to one pre-tournament tournament. You get them. There's like, there's, there's uh, like 20, it was like 24 holes left still. And even the same with Rory, I even saw Rory when like Rory's minus 300 to start the tournament. And then he's in first place by a couple strokes and he's minus even minus 220. I'm not making that bet, but I actually think like based on where the pre-tournament line was, I could argue that is actually more value than the pre-tournament line when you get rid of 90% of the variables that come along in a golf tournament. I feel like I said too many words. Congrats to Max Homa backers and Max. And I'm not betting John Rahm at four to one. I'm just not going to do it ever. Uh, but yeah, we, we got into a rabbit hole on a Twitter thread, I guess on, on the, um, on the weekend. Well, a big thing just came out. It's like, why would you ever bet these longer shots? And I mean, what, what that person considered a long shot, what I consider a long shot in golf are actually two separate things. Maybe I should think closer to what that guy was thinking that, yeah, maybe 65 to one is a long shot because I guess, you know, technically it is. It just doesn't seem that way in the realm of golf betting where it would in any other thing. That's such an unlikely, imagine betting some sort of 65 to one football ticket. Like that's the most unlikely of outcomes ever happening. At least in golf, it does seem reasonable that it could happen. Not that it happens very often, but we've seen it happen enough times. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. But Pat, I feel like we've been saying it Almost, I mean, we didn't do swing season shows. Maybe we were saying it at the end of last year. We probably were. But at Christmas, we kind of acknowledged that the the golf outright long shot is now 60 to 1, 65 to 1. It used to be the triple digits. Find me a triple digits. That's a long shot. I do a collab article where we just give our favorite long shot for odds checker each week with some of our friends, um, uh, Rick Gaiman, Tom Jacobs, Andy Lack. There's a bunch of people who who you know in the audience, I'm sure, knows in it. 
with that, like it used to be, oh, this guy's got to be probably over 100 to write him up. Now it's like, yeah, guys, if anything's over 50, you can write it up as a long shot. I mean, I feel like that's just where we are now in, in talking about golf and long shots. I feel like we do this every week. We're finally at the, this field finally does feel like it is set up for something. Um, but hey, who knows? I think even at, say, the John Deere, we everyone had po- Poston at like 55 to one or something. So yeah, knows? I mean, that was one that everyone cashed in on that I missed out on because I'm an absolute goober when it comes to tons of that kind of stuff. But I was surprised to see Rom go the other way, but then I realized he was Anderker, so that actually just made a lot of sense to me. We got some classic Tony Finau, although it was on a Saturday, final round vibes. I don't know where the guy who was like the, the great closer during the second half of last year went, but he reverted immediately back into crappy Tony on the final round. When he got into it, he started unconscious, got in there. I think he made the cut essentially almost on the number, number. or one off. Yeah, no? and, yeah, he he made, he made the cut on the number, and then because someone had tweeted me that he had missed the cut, I was like, I don't think he missed the cut. I think he got in on the number. But then he shot the best round in round three, gets into the final group, and just couldn't keep it going. And it was you, you could really see it. I think it was hole number eight, and it was a really swing hole for Homa because Homa hit into the bunker, the short part through the longer part three, hits it into the bunker, hits it to like sixteen feet out of the bunker, makes the par putt. Fina yeah. like barely gets it out of the bunker as like 50 feet for par can't make it. And it's like, th- this is just what we expect to happen with. Like, this is what we always expect to happen with Fina. We thought this was over and you just see how like week to week, so much of this stuff is different round to round, how much different the stuff can be. But it was just, it was funny because it felt like it could have been his tournament to win. Like he was right there. Everyone was just lingering around that minus seven, minus eight, minus nine number. And the world was waiting for Sam Ryder to just gag it away. And I, I, I did think, listen, I, I even threw it out that no one is giving Sam Ryder like a chance to win this tournament. And, and when you looked at the leaderboard behind him, that would be absolutely correct. He had what a three shot lead or four stroke lead going into the final round. But like Rom was the betting favorite, despite the fact that he was like four strokes back. Yeah, it all made sense. And all like uh, Colin Morikawa had a great week driving the ball. Hideki Matsuyama, I had him at 45 to one. Part of me is worried that the, the really high Hideki numbers, we've seen a 50th century, we've seen a 45 at at um, last week, even off of, off of trying to defend his title, it was pretty high at Sony uh, for Hideki odds. So hopefully those can stick around. He looked like he was unconscious for a little bit there and then obviously maybe trying to press or it just being really late, knowing he has to almost maybe burn out or play perfect golf. He falls back um to the pack Ryder was going strong he was going strong I mean when they interviewed his mom Pat when he was on 13 he had more than a one stroke lead not to say that's um far not to say that that means anything but I can't believe his mother his mother accepted that interview request I love okay we had a bit of a technical glitch before behind the fourth wall I made a comment that may have glitched it where I said I thought the broadcast was better this weekend you got back at me and then i had a chance to reevaluate i don't think the broadcast was better but they're doing newer things um we can talk we'll talk like, we'll talk we'll talk about homa from the third round in a second but here was my problem with but are you talking about like the hold on the um the uh like they're they're interviewing him on the course he's got the ear things in um like there's a lot of newer things it feels like that that 
CBS or someone is trying to make part of the broadcast. And I like it. And I'm pro. I'm actually pro. I think it's good. I mean, we're in Canada, Pat. You see a kid play a hockey game. They always show his mom. Like, right? Like, that's, that's, uh, it's like basketball but even when he's 35 watching a <laughs> hockey game here um so i like incorporating the mom i think it feels real in the storytelling aspect i like the cbs looking for storytelling i think that's a great when storytelling is their thing i think that's a great part of the broadcast and we'll see how it goes going forward moms might say no now you know after what happened to, to mama Ryder, but that wasn't a good that wasn't a good look. She shouldn't have accepted that interview. She It seemed like she was a mom who like couldn't wait to get in front of the camera. You got to wait for your son to hit that putt on 18. Then you can hug him on camera. I, I don't mind her accepting the interview. That's fine. Get yourself on TV. But you have to know that this can go very poorly. And when people are looking <laughs> to blame someone, they're going to blame you. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You got to. Yeah. Yeah, and she even caught herself like she knew how f he was from the win, and I don't blame her for her genuine excitement. Uh, that was just, I guess, a storm of of live television. Uh, I, yeah, I would not want my mom conducting that interview until I'm in the fairway on 18 up a couple. I guess it's true. So it was also strange because 15 and 16 were playing as the two hardest holes on the course. So well, let's, let's get through that patch a little bit before we can get to anything. We'll talk more about this on the NFL show on Tuesday night with me, you and cast it just like the craziness that was going on, like with people uh, and uh, their beliefs of what's rigged and what's not going on. But I, I and it's just like the, the, Maybe it was just Bengals fans who were upset, or I think it was just people who bet on the Bengals. Can't believe they actually lost a bet because who knows that you could lose bets in like really shitty ways. That happens. But to start Saturday, we'll talk about the Saturday finish here in a second. Ricky gets to T4 behind everyone else. I believe it is Ryder, Rom, Finau, and then there's a group of guys, and Ricky gets there. And Homa and Morikawa are both on three. Morikawa, we look at the leaderboard. Sungjae and Homa were all guys that were tied at minus eight with Morikawa. Ricky gets to either minus seven or minus eight to be tied with those guys. And what does the little mini leaderboard do? Max Homa, you can take a fucking hike, pal. You're off. You're, you're just, you might as well be Ben Griffin, who obviously we're going to talk about this week, but you could be you just another anonymous name. We need to get Ricky Fowler on that reader leaderboard. I tweeted it. Out. I was just like, what are we just pretending like Ricky's like basically still pretty good now? Like, why aren't we showing Homa who, I mean, not that I just had money on him and everyone had money on him. He's been a bit of a better player at this point over the past few years than Ricky Fowler, but they were just really trying to make Ricky Fowler happen on Sunday. And I, I pointed it out and then Homa immediately chips in on the par three. And obviously he jumps up on the leaderboard. So he's back on it. It's just funny how CBS chose to do that. And then I get these like Ricky insane people in my mentions being like, Ricky's back. How dare you disrespect Ricky? It's like the, the fuck have you been watching the past three years? I mean, I have no doubts they're going to try to make Ricky a thing all year every time he's alive. And I'll be honest, it was like very warm. Despite I didn't notice the bug that didn't have home and on the score bug in the moments that you guys did. But obviously I didn't have money on him, so it probably didn't get to me. Seeing Day and Ricky up there felt nice. And I can only hope that they can have healthy, consistent seasons. And I really enjoy the best thing about golf. My favorite thing about golf, you see it in other sports, no doubt. 
as generations cross. But getting to see like those guys, my favorite players, um, you know, I guess we say when we started doing this thing of a decade plus ago, um, now competing or getting to see them on the weekend in groups and important head to heads in, in an important, um, you know, weekend situations with the new generation for lack of a 90, 1997 WWE term. Uh, I enjoy that a lot. And I hope Justin Rose can stay healthy as well and be all, be all part of that. Um, I didn't, I didn't notice the insult to max. I did notice heavy Jason day, heavy Ricky Fowler. There was a moment in that tournament where it felt like it was, uh, yeah, it was the leader and it was Ryder day Fowler, and um and fee now probably and right and, and rom and, we we got to see yeah oh yeah we, we got to see all the rom stuff i listen and morikawa it, well morikawa it's like morikawa and homa at some points were playing in a different tournament according to the broadcast like they just here's what happened eight minutes ago well it was one of those things where i had to go onto a certain app to see what was happening in real time because they wouldn't show me morikawa or homa in real time, they would show me 10 minutes after the fact. Like, they were already hitting their second shot onto the next hole by the time that they were showing these guys that were very much in contention. And that are, at least, what I would perceive to be big names. You have a guy who's now won six times in the past three years and a guy with two majors. And it, I don't want to take anything away with Ricky. He's playing good golf. Maybe he's super live in Phoenix next week. I'm actually kind of shocked he's not playing Pebble. This, these We talked about tiger and tiger's on a different level but when he first came back like he would actually have success i believe if he played pebble and the heritage these courses that are more designed to what he does well at this point in time but like why is i mean i get why ricky's going to play in a super field an elevated event where he can win like eight million dollars or something he should be at those events he should be at these events too where he might have like a if ricky was in this field this week at pebble what would be his odds like 20 to 1 uh, yeah, you think he'd be coming in in the 30s. You're 100% right. And we did talk about it with Tiger and, and more so just so. Yeah, we wish Ricky would go to some of these lesser fields, get an opportunity to stack Fed up FedEx cut points, maybe even get a win. But he has just got too many for like for I don't want to call them invitations or exemptions. He can still live a uh, a true schedule. And I don't think, I mean, I have no doubts a guy like Ricky Fowler wants to win again, but it's like, I don't think they're at the level of desperation almost that the fans are We're like, no, Ricky's got to go to Puerto Rico and Ricky's got to do all these things like get a win. No, they're just playing the schedule. He wants to play the schedule where he can, well, I guess they're all married with essentially kids now. So I was going to say, no, he just wants to play the schedule where all his good player friends are playing and they can all house together like the good old days. But the one's married with kids. It's so weird. As a guy married with two kids and doesn't control anything in his life. Yeah, much like me. And Ricky now has three top 11 finishes in his past six starts. He had the runner-up at the Zozo. Like, he's playing really good golf. And I, it does, I mean, there's a reason that I took him on that season-long draft that we did. I, I think that he's going to win at some point this year. We'll see. But he'll be in contention in a few things. That's why I'd like to see him go get, like, a cheap and easy one. But it just seems crazy to me that... He is still held with such reverence. And I get that he's so popular. That's why he's still in all these commercials. But the whole point of the tour is to try to build new stars. That maybe let's not go gaga because Ricky like chips in and makes a 70-foot putt. And all of a sudden, oh, yeah, he's better than Bax Homa, who we, you know, was a betting favorite yeah. in this tournament. Okay, so I am torn. It didn't stick out to me. And I've been at times, I'm sure I've granted on here about the broadcast disrespecting my player with a bet who, who subsequently went on to win the tournament. You are absolutely right. 
Homa should be a player they are trying to elevate. Like, he's such a great personality. There are great stories with him. Even replay the clip of him doing the talk-along in the earpiece from the other day. He's such a personable guy. It's annoying. People are probably bored of how many times I say, make him commissioner. Like, so that he's the exact type of personality who also wins. So you are right. Like, they should be. It's time to put Max on a pedestal. It really is. They just have no idea what to do when Ricky Day and Matsuyama and Fina, like they have no idea. They're just not, they're still not prepared for these types of moments. And more and more golf tournaments are just close and feature essentially only good players. So I don't know what they're going to do, but in a couple of weeks, I'm usually ready to break CBS at Riviera, Pat. Like, by the time we're done, Riviera, I'm ready to kill CBS. The good news is that's when they go away for March Madness. I think we go to Honda. We get NBC in Florida, Bay Hill, yada, yada. So, yeah, I have no doubts I'll be ready to ring the necks at CBS in a couple weeks. And maybe if I bet Max Homa on the weekend, I would be there now. It wasn't even that. It was just, it was really straight. It felt like two separate tournaments that we got on Saturday. You had Ryder, Fina, Rom. Like, that's essentially all they were showing, along with, like, Ricky and Day, if they did something really good around the greens. And then all Hideki. these... And, no, they weren't showing Hideki at all. We didn't see a Hideki shot till he was on, like, 10 or something crazy like that. And you had all of these other bigger names that were firmly in the mix. They were right around Finau. Homa, M, Thigala. Um, who else was there? The other ones that were there. And just, we didn't, Keegan, and we didn't really get to any of them until yeah. the back nine. Uh, and just, we could have done like a quad box at multiple times. It could have been really cool. I, I do want to talk about the Homa on 13 on Friday with the earpiece in talking through a shot. Then he had to get the rules official to come over. I thought it was, I, I think that concept is really cool. There's another part of me that just doesn't care at the same time. Like, I don't need to walk down because it's still taking away time. I could see other shots. Okay, that is that's the big, you know, dichotomy here. We enjoy it. We think that's a good thing. I would still rather see five more golf shots, four more golf shots in that span. Even there are times they did a might have been on the PGA library, what have you. They do a split screen. So they got now four different boxes of four. Yeah, I guess live action shots. And it's just four people walking. <laughs> like no one's even hitting a shot. Like imagine it's all there. It seems like it's slowly all there for them to do what we want and maybe they'll get there. Um, and as for the broadcast, I don't know, I guess maybe for a while, Pat, or they spent their morning planning meetings, just thinking it was going to be a John Rom party. And they were maybe caught off guard when it was like seven, eight players who all have pretty good public cachet, some a lot more than others, but battling this, this thing out. I would be good with the player interviews on the course. I thought it was like real insight to what was going on in the tournament. Having the rules official come over was really cool to see in real time, having that mic'd up, the questions that Homa gets to ask. But if he's not hitting a shot, I don't mind if we keep the audio on Homa and we have like the little mini box of him like walk until he's hitting his shots kind of thing or lining it up because you do want to get an idea into that. But when he is legit just walking down the fairway, let's put him into the mini box and go back to the rest of the, th like there's better ways to do it. I'm with you. I'm glad they're trying new things because I think they can see what works, what doesn't work. And I think this does work. It just is not optimal as of yet. We can have an optimal version of this too, where you get everything you want in one. 
But maybe maybe I am the huge minority in this. That's the one thing that I always think about when I'm watching golf is that I watch golf in such a completely different manner than probably like 95% of the people watching the broadcast. So they're probably saying like, Pat, we don't give a shit what you think. And we're just trying to cater to a, the, the mass audience here. What do they want to see? They want to see Ricky and they want to see Rom. I'm just more concerned about, A, my bets and seeing as much as possible. Because uh, it's just, it's hard to get eyeballs on a lot of this stuff. Yeah, there's right. nothing I, I can counter that with other than to say, like, yeah, that would make sense. Put Max Homa doing some audio in a mini box. But that would just confuse the shit out of my dad. But the guy talking is coming from the mini box. Like, what's going on here? See, um, that's fair. I had not considered that. Yeah, so I, I don't know. They, they, But maybe they can, maybe they'll make it better. Phoenix is all, like, Phoenix is great too, Pat, but it can be a frustrating broadcast as a golf better when you don't care about, like, random shots at 16. You want to see guys on, like, the 13th hole who are, who you bet who are playing well. I think they can. That might be a really bad take. No, but... no, 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 no. I, I, I agree with you because we actually got the Sam Ryder moment from last year that we saw 80 million times. We saw Harry Higgs take his shirt off. Like, that's fun stuff. Like, that's a part of that tournament. Yeah. I don't mind that as much. And I don't mind the. Listen, if they're going to continuously speed up the shots, we have time for random cutaways to random holes with random players. Like, that's fine as long as we get through the other shots, too. And it does seem like in Phoenix, the broadcast tends to be a little bit better because they know they have to cut back to 60. So everything's a bit snappier, which is great if they would just only do that for every tournament. I love Wednesday to Saturday, by the way. I think that the PGA Tour, especially the moment football starts, so you get your swing season events, you get your early season events. Let's just get rid of Sundays on the PGA Tour. We go out in threesomes. And what you can do at that point, I would say even bring in the Wednesday to Saturday for everything that's not a major and a non-elevated event. Because then it, like, it gives a special importance to those, which you want anyway. Besides the money, besides the prestige, like, oh, this is like one of the real tournaments. It goes Thursday to Sunday. You have to wait up on Sunday, see what happens at the conclusion. I, I mean, I just chilled all Saturday and watched golf. It was fucking awesome. And I usually do that anyway, but then I also have to do that on Sunday as well. I can like kind of watch it at night on Friday, pay attention. And plus, like the PGA is great for people who work. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday gives you like eight hours to kill while you're at work. It's fantastic. Okay, so I adore everything you said. Like, I love it. They should maybe make that football part of the schedule. Uh, and even to go more crazy, Pat, they could consider that football time of year going like, we're the Mac. We are the Mac. We sometimes see Corn Fairy. They go to the Bahamas and play like Sunday through Wednesday. No, no one is really paying attention to that. But if the PGA Tour did that, uh, maybe I'm crazy to think people would just, the ratings would be shit, but... I don't the know. Rate, I the didn't rate, know the ratings are shit anyway. Who cares? Yeah, I I, uh, I agree. Um, you're like a fart in the wind when you're playing golf on Sunday. Even in this, like the swing season's a fart in the wind enough. Playing your tournaments finishing while NFL football is on, nothing could be more meaningless in the American sports psyche. You know, people will tell us we're probably, you know, North American sports snobs, but I don't hide that either. Like, that's true. I am. And we are talking about a North American tour. Like, it's not like we're calling, you know, you know what needs to be more reasonable? The times that the European tour starts for me. Like, that's, 
I wake up early and watch I, it. Like that's what I do. <laughs> I did see a chart that showed, uh, you know, how where the PGA events are in America and how many events are in the states are per per each state, and it's actually like pretty jarring how few places they actually go. They go to Hawaii and then to California, Florida, Texas. Then you have Georgia yep. for the Masters, and it's like back to Florida or South Carolina. Yeah, a, a couple more Texas. Yeah, like how few? Like they really? Um, how small? I guess their footprint is across the entire country. But hey, it's hard, and you got to stack Florida and California, obviously. Yeah, especially at this time of year too. There's only so many places that you can actually play golf in North America where it would actually make any sense that you can get through it. Like I even saw that people were like it. It, I looked up what the temperature was in San Diego. I think for like Celsius wise, I think it was like 17 degrees or 18 degrees. And people are wearing like full length sweatshirts. Like the golfer is not necessarily built for the more frigid temperatures. It's one of the reasons why people, well, we're going to get to Pebble Beach in a second. I think that is one of the reasons why people don't like to go to Pebble Beach. Like it's kind of shit weather this time of year, as opposed to everywhere else that you're going to golf. There's a, multi- a multitude of factors that have done this for Pebble Beach. The the intensely long rounds, the scheduling uh, after Tory, before Riv and, and Phoenix. Uh, yeah, um, I don't disagree with anything, anything you put out there. We'll talk more about that when we get to actual Pebble Beach. We're trying to diminish what's going on over there because it's not the most fun tournament in the world most hated actually that's always fun but Reed and Rory I haven't watched all the final round yet because it concluded like basically as I was waking up this morning so I watched the end of it Rory goes birdie birdie on 17 and 18 to beat Patrick Reed by his stroke we had a Patrick Reed dropping a T incident that was blown out of proportion on the internet and then Reed cheating with his ball going into a tree probably I miss the PGA Tour needs Patrick Reed so much It is incredible. And I saw a lot of people point this out recently, but we talked about it at the time. Liv stole every villain that we had on the PGA Tour. The the people that people love to root against are all gone. Patrick Reed makes this more fun for everyone watching. From day one, we have had this take. Uh, And maybe people can feel differently. Uh, You know, we do multiple golf podcasts a week. Patrick Reed is is a legend. He is a hero. In that discourse where we try to, you know, we want things to talk about and we want golf to feel like other sports for the timing of it, Pat, I watched way too much of that golf. I had a, uh, I had a sick kid in bed with me last night and I watched way too much golf. Patrick Reed was magnificent. He was unconsciously marvelous in this round of golf. Uh, For a while, it felt, and the announcers even alluded to it, it kind of felt like the Open Championship where Rory wasn't doing anything wrong. Someone was playing Marvelous coming, and then the moment you almost get caught, you're in um, neutral, if that makes any any sense whatsoever. Reed from the bunkers with the putter, immaculate. Like, he was on point. That was so much fun to watch. The reality is we all lost. We all lost that that didn't go to a playoff that we didn't get a pre pre playoff handshake, a post playoff handshake. It would have been so a playoff. Oh my God. After all that happened, all you take away from this is 
Um, listen, I'll, I'm excited to watch live the week of the John Deere, like the week of the horrible PGA events. I can't wait to watch DJ and Cam. No, 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 you're good. You're good. I, what were you going? Uh, uh, the week of the, the like shitty PGA fields. I can't wait to watch DJ and Cam Smith and Bryson and Brooks. That's amazing. Counter programming. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. That's it. Like I'm it. Like I'm not, I don't love live, but I'm going to watch those guys. I'm going to watch those guys golf. But if you run a major or if you're any involved with the majors and you watched how people reacted to a T falling out of Patrick Reed's pocket, you're never let not telling these guys to come. You're never telling you're never kicking them out ever, ever. And I always thought guys with exemptions should 100% be allowed in to ruin with the, to mess with an exemption would be, would be sacrilegious. But now they, they, they have to bend over backwards. It doesn't seem like we'll have any answers this year, but they can exclude these guys. They can't. It's too awesome. It's too good. And Rory hitting that 14-foot bending putt because over his dead body was he going to a playoff with Patrick Reed. That putt probably meant so much more than the money involved or keeping world number one. Um, I'm sorry to buy into the hyperbole of it all, we will be taught unless that happens in a major with Rory or one of these super elites versus one of these top live guys. And I don't even think DJ or Cam Smith would bring that sort of animosity that say Reed or, or Brooks would in many ways. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but Oh, unless we get something like that in a major, we'll be talking about the, the events in, in, um, in that tournament at our Christmas show next year. I would think so, too. And this is such a great microcosm for what I assume that the majors are so amped up for. And that's I agree with you. I think this is why they'll make concessions. You actually get like legit beef coming out of this. People are interested in it. Like it creates a real storyline. And that's just something that we've been devoid of. Like everyone on the PGA Tour is a good guy now. That's no fun. (laughs) And Grayson Murray's not good. Everyone, who is the bad guy? Like, if you even had to force Billy, force someone, it's Billy Horschel, but it's just because people kind of find him annoying. Yeah, I guess. Um, Billy's all like a lot of players. I remember Abe Answer said, and I remember around Christmas listening to an interview, like at the BMW at Wentworth, all the PJ Tour live guys, they could just say hi, shake hands, whatever, move on. Billy Horschel is like carrying the beef, he is carrying the beef, um, in ways like. You know, I don't think Billy Horschel had a deposition show up at his door on Christmas Day. Is that true? Okay, uh, is that actually true? Or is that just like a media story? It seems true. There's documentation, like the affidavit that the guy who tries to deliver it has to like fill out the paperwork and stuff. Like every time he attempted to deliver it, what happened, who he spoke to. Um, so I actually, in this moment, believe it to be true. The thing is, it might not have been ordered by Patrick Reed. If that makes any sense, that's all too. Um, yeah. And here we were thinking like on Saturday, the most controversial golf thing could be Sam Ryder's joggers. But then we got that finish in on the on, in, in the Middle East last night. Does, does anyone care about Sam Ryder's jogging pants? Yeah, I mean, I think people are just jealous of how good Sam Ryder looked in those pants. T- nice tight pants. Yeah. Get guy at home complaining. You're not pulling that off. I'm sorry. So that was exactly my point. I loved it. I thought it was fire. You can pull that off. You can pull off burgundy joggers 
if you have a slender body and those little ankles, you can pull that off. I am jealous of you. I thought it was a fire look. I thought it was absolutely maybe it's it? a little cold. What? <laughs> I was just gonna comment. Oh, what? what, what was I thought? was gonna say that as a guy with cankles, I really hated his pants. Sure, because oh, yeah, you can't, can't wear them. I can't wear them. I, I would never pull those off. I I can't pull them off, but I can still say that that looks good. Like if you if you are tall and slender and got those legs, I wish I could pull that off. I would never even try to pull it off. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, like you stole the word from me, Paul. Like cankles. My 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 my. I don't even have ankles. It pretty much just goes from yeah. I mean, we could maybe we'll take a picture later. Well, actually, you know what? They look more developed than I had thought. But I'm for sure a cankles guy. We can't debate that. And I love those joggers. I did enjoy Phil watching every shot and just commenting oh. on it on Twitter. Like I'm, I'm here for Phil just watching PGA Tour, like everything, and giving his take on it. Well, so you have to feel this is a probably a, a little window where Phil might get a little golf sad. I mean, Phoenix, Torrey Pines, Pebble. These are three straight home games in different states. Sorry, two in California. Yeah, but they're but, all but, um, but they are all home games for Phil Mickelson somehow. Yeah, no. The, so I guess um, there's. I assume Phil is a little golf sad watching Tory Pines and not being able to to be involved, and he's taking shots. And EVR was chirping back at his wardrobe comments with his uh, button up from the players like four or five years ago. Um, good times, good times. And DJ's just on the internet playing co-ed softball. He's the man. Could you imagine, could you imagine playing against that team with Paulina, Wayne, DJ? That'd be awesome. I love Janet's probably betting on the game. (laughs) No, we can, we, we like who we like and we can find more reasons to like them or dislike them. And we're seeing that a lot with the live discourse. Some of this live stuff has made me like DJ more in that he hasn't said a word. He doesn't complain. He he knows what he did. He knows exactly why he did it. He's happy. He doesn't, he's never made a comment about Ryder Cup or or world rankings. He doesn't seem he doesn't give a shit. And part of me respects that like so much more than you know, 47-year-old guys crying because they weren't wished happy birthday on social media sad sad time if you're not getting wish happy birthday on social media cry anything else no i i think that's it we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We should transition into Pebble Beach because we're almost 40 minutes in, although there is not uh, even like 20 minutes to talk about here. So, Pebble Beach Pro Am. How can I put this? Can they just give it a different spot on the schedule? I want to see Pebble Beach. Let's get rid of the Pro-Am. Can we start with that? Let's get rid of the Pro-Am because it's fucking stupid and I hate it. Let them do this at PGA West. It's already a Pro-Am at PGA West. Just invite Bill Murray and Ray Romano out to there as well. Yeah, unfortunately, they're like two very different Pro-Ams. This is like the celebrity pop culture Pro-Am and the other one is strictly like business and the accountant at Humana or something at Valspar gets to play. I I, un- so I, two- I understand what the difference between the pro-ams is, but I guess my question is in 2023 where celebrity is more fractured and doesn't really matter anymore in that same sense. Do we even need the celebrity one? Like if you still want the celebrities, can we allocate 10 of the spots in the Amex field for like the 10 celebrities who show up to this thing every year? Okay, so I'm just speaking what I think is the reality. I agree with everyone who wishes this event was better or more like it used to be. That being said, Pat, to take from that Adam Scott comment of a couple years ago where he pretty much said only eight of these tournaments matter and they could do whatever they wanted with the other 40, like whatever they wanted, which I've always encouraged maybe more co-ed, uh, I love match play. I know team golf. What, what, change it up. So I think they just look at it as like there's 50 weeks in the year. We have so much time to do so many different things. This is like one of the different things we do, if that makes any sense. Like this is one of the different things. And in a 50-week boring schedule, there, it, there's undeniably room for this. I don't, I wouldn't care if this was, I mean, I know shots at Byron Nelson, but they play that at like the TPC Bunny Ranch now. Do it there. Why are we wasting Pebble with some shit tournament? Like this is one of the most iconic courses that there's, that there is both in America, in the world, one of the most well-known courses, looks amazing on TV and just, it gets the short shaft every single year. No one wants to play here. Even the guys that would love to play here aren't here. Half of them went to live. So you have that. No DJ. No DJ, no Phil. I mean, those were two of the big draws that showed up to this tournament every single year anyway. Casey was always here. But then they just started playing in the Saudi International anyway. So you have a lot of things conspiring against them, as you pointed out. One, it's now sandwiched in between three events that everyone just prefers. Uh, It's the worst way to play. There's like seven-hour rounds that you're in groups of two with another pro and two ams at the same time. So the rounds take forever. It's a three-course rotation. There's not even cameras on you at the other two courses. And you have Phoenix next week that has like triple the prize pool and then Riviera, which is Tiger's tournament that has really taken over a lot of the prestige and people love Tory Pines. That this is just naturally the week that everyone is going to take off. Where the fuck is Cantley? Doesn't he play this every year? Yeah, he normally does, but he probably, like everyone else, they made Phoenix elevated. And he's even with his back, like, even though it's not really a concern anymore. That was Xander, he by does. the way, who had a back problem. No, but can't lead, like, historically the back. Oh, yes. Or injured. So uh, maybe he's still, like, going to, back to back for Cantley seems seems rare. Uh, Phoenix is elevated. No, 
Riviera's elevated, Phoenix is just awesome, right? No, I thought I thought Phoenix was elevated and Riviera's an invitational, which gets invita- okay. which gets like elevated status in a way. And no one when Tiger sends you an invitation, you don't RSVP no. Like unless you're no Phil. one does that. Unless you're Phil, basically. Who's not, not allowed to play anyway. Now, would you give any credence to looking at past winners at Pebble Beach and thinking, oh, these are guys who have a demeanor who are like um a curmudgeon would probably really struggle at Pebble Beach, if that makes any sense, right? Or not struggle's the wrong word, but it almost seems like you have to mentally take yourself somewhere to handle a six hour and a half round with, you know. Uh, a non-celebrity, even a celebrity. I, I, I don't know. I, I think you're doing better if you do play with the non-celebrity because, like, no one gives a shit about them. Like, it becomes a sideshow if you're playing with Macklemore or Canelo or whoever it might be. Fitzpatrick's playing with Gareth Bale this time around, I think. Like, I think it would be... It didn't... Doesn't Rory always... Like, I think Rory played this once. No, it was Graham McDowell who always used to play with his dad. Yeah, that, dad. that works. <laughs> yeah, played with his dad, DJ, obviously, with Wayne... Um, Snedeker always used to play with uh, he played with that like the marker from Augusta that everyone loves, like the Jeff Knox. Yeah, uh, Fitzger- Larry Fitzgerald and Streelman always play together. Bill Murray tends to play with Da Points, but I think that Da Points might be dead or something, so I don't know if he's playing. Although it's a really shitty field. No, no, he's in the field. He's a thousand to one. That's fantastic news. So you get the Jim, you get everything conspiring against this tournament. I just, I just wish, and I'm glad it still gets the U.S. Open once every 10 years, but I feel like the PGA Tour could make better use of Pebble Beach, is what I'm saying. And the broadcast, the broadcast on Saturday is horrendous. <laughs> it's the horrendous. Worst. Even Jim, oh my God, even Jim Nance in teeing it up, he even acknowledged like it's, um, it's our celebrity broad, he even like used the word, it's our celebrity broadcast. He was excited to let Paul know Josh Allen is playing. Um, hey, listen, if I got eliminated from the NFL playoffs, I could say, yeah, I'll go play Pebble. I'd do it too. Uh, um, yeah, no, J- Nance literally advertised it as the celebrity broadcast with Bill Murray, et cetera. So, yeah, Saturday is a is a – you almost will just – if you want to make yourself angry, you watch you, – you bet a lot of golf and you watch Saturday. It's a good day to take off from watching golf because I can't handle. It's not that I don't care to see the celebrity shots. I think, hey, if Bill Murray's out there having fun, making some nice shots, by all means, cut to him. Like, that's why he's there, to draw in eyeballs. Don't need to see the swing breakdowns. You will also, and I agree, maybe take off Saturday. I do feel if you really are deep in the woods on this tournament, it can create some potentially good live opportunities. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, like I, we've I, seen Ted Potter Jr. go 10 under. No one's watching at Monterey. And I'm not saying he wins, but the field, the field, the name value in the field is so low that a lot of these guys off the beaten path on a different course, you really can catch some real stale numbers if that's your thing. That's how I hit TPJ that year. He was tied for the lead of the tournament in the third round, and he was just 125 to one. It was like, all right. I, I don't know if the books are sharper now, because that was five years ago. 
that catching them live with, because everyone who's good is going to be playing at Pebble Beach Golf Links. It's three-course rotation on Saturday. So they'll, they'll get the Saturday round and the Sunday round at Pebble, where there's, you're at Spy, absolute goobers in this tournament are going to be playing Monterey and Spyglass on on Saturday. So if someone gets hot, I, I think Potter reeled off, what, like seven birdies in a row, something crazy like that? It was just in the lead. I was like, okay. Do I think that he's going to beat Dustin Johnson? No. But do I think that he has a one in 125 chance of beating Dustin Johnson? Sure, why not? Forgot it was against Dustin. I'm still mad about that. That was the one. That was the year that Wayne had to pull out from the final day because he was too hungover to play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. So I mentioned it. Three course rotation, 156 players. Everyone gets three rounds. Course history has been a very big thing here. And it's not even just course history. It's format history, like knowing how to navigate this. It is mind-boggling that Jason Day isn't playing because he's had so much success at this tournament over the years, despite never winning it. He was like a top 10 machine here, even when he was bad every single year. But he played the last two weeks, and I'm guessing because the next two are elevated, he's going to play the next two weeks in Phoenix at Riviera, and this is just inevitably the spot that he takes off. But this is one where Jay Day could go get a win. I would have loved to bet Jason Day this week. Probably not at 7-1 to one or wherever the hell his odds would have been, because the odds are ludicrous for this tournament. Spieth is 8 What? No, you were just going on a day rant, and I was you were asking the odds. I'm like, if Rose is 24, day is probably 18, just based on last week's pre-tournament odds and how they played. Agreed. Spieth is the favorite. Eight and a half to one. Fitz is nine to one. Vic is 10 to one. Those are your three guys in this tournament. They're by far the best players. Then you get the drop down. You have Hoagie at 18, McNeely at 22, Seamus Power at 25, Rose at 28, Putnam at 30, Denny at 35, Kucher at 35, and then you have Mitchell, Damon at 40, Pendrith at 45 to 1. That is the entire top 12 on the betting board. Historically, at this tournament, we've seen this go one of two ways, except for last year. Last year began to be the outlier, but that's also when the odds started to shift. And to go back to that discussion of what's a long shot and what's not may be pertinent to this. For years, it would either be a super bomb who wins this tournament. Ted Potter, Von Taylor, Nick Taylor. Anyone named Taylor is apparently very good. Von Taylor actually just withdrew from this tournament. So now we're just taking Taylors out of the pool. So you got Taylor Moore, you got, there's no Taylor Montgomery, you got Nick Taylor and Taylor Moore. They're probably the two that you want to go. And Ben Taylor, we'll get to Ben Taylor, but he's another one that you can go with. You want to play the all Taylor strategy this week. But they're like super bombs, like 250 to one, 600 to one, 1,000 to one, like crazy outliers at this tournament. But then if you go back and look at the other winners, they're the absolute chalk of the chalk. You got Spieth, Day, Berger, Phil, like just someone from the top five on the betting board. That mid-tier was never represented at this tournament until Hoagie won last year. And I believe he opened at 65 to 1 or 70 to 1. You hit it. I had Spieth when he almost killed himself on that cliff. I thought Spieth was oh. running away with it. Like, it was it, it was over for Jordan Spieth. And then Hoagie just started making every single putt. It was like, oh, God, it's happening all over again. But I don't know. Should we be looking more at this, like, 50 to 90 range now? Because that's normally where the old 200 to 1 used to be. Um, this is, I've, all I've been thinking about pretty much since last night as it pertained to the PGA was... Um, how we are going to handle 
only good players win when we're now at an event where say um you know andrew putnam is 30 to (laughs) one like how do we how do we quantify this stuff no i'd say still in the swing season i know there was that big svensson win like in the good players only win i think you can look at some at these shittier events it's still the you could debate how good the player is but it's still the lower odds that are that are hitting um consistently i don't know what if you can't get a big number here like north of 50 60 then i, I don't know people are just going to get desperate like it's going to get real sad because you ain't going to get anything at phoenix and you ain't going to get anything at riviera i promise um so this does sort of feel like the chance but i don't know i'm not I don't really trust a ton of these guys. Although Pat, there are fifty to nineties that I look forward to potentially wasting money on. Oh, I've already, I've I've already wasted the money on them, and I do agree that you should probably save a bullet or two for a live opportunity. Like I don't have anyone on my card so far who's less than sixty-five to one. And depending on where you go, like if you go to DraftKings Sportsbook, I actually think some of the numbers are actually better from that range. But I do kind of want to take a shot, just knowing the history of it of someone at the top. And everything leads me to Mad McNeely. But now I look at it like, do I really want to bet Mad McNeely at 22 to 1? Maybe I do. I mean, I don't want to, but maybe that's the bet. Or do I say, fuck it and bet Hovland at 11 to 1 is the best number I've seen. I mean, this is a, a Mav money maker. I feel like I bet him here last year at 40. Um, yeah, little tiny greens, the Mav irons. This feels... Um, like he is a high end. He is the probably most of the not like really elite players. You will probably feel like you're paying a premium to bet on Mav McNeely okay, in he, some respects. He, here's what I don't get. And this is me. I just told you I like I want to bet Mav McNeely. In what world would I bet Mav McNeely over Seamus Power at a better number? Seamus Power at 25 to 1 is probably of the under 30s. It's the most reasonable, um, right? Of yeah, all of, of that, every guy on the board this week, he seems to be the most like reasonable number. He should be twenty-five to one. Yeah, you, and you would think this course could work well for him. I think he finished ninth here last year. I know, um, and you pointed it to my attention. And this is a separate debate sometimes in outright golf betting because it's such a weird animal or different than anything else. Um, a lot of the books in their special section for the repeat winners had hoagies up there at 28 to one, which you, I think you tweeted or you definitely sent to me. This is a value play, but in outright golf betting, it's not like, Oh, well, I can get two points on the point spread. I'm just going to take that. Like I have to deep in my core, feel the guy is going to win, or I don't care if I could have 28 versus 20, if that makes any sense. I, I, I see. I do. But I'm with you on that stance. The, the question wasn't, do I bet Tom Hoagie? Because I think he's going to win. Because obviously I would have done that. The question was, do I think that Tom Hoagie is going to win this tournament? Back to back. And I just came to the conclusion that, you know what? I, I don't. Like, I, I don't think that I'm going to get my money there. Although, looking at it now, I probably should have taken the 28. Because it's, it would have been the best value on the board by far. <laughs> by, by far. You are right. I just mean... Just because, like, a line, you know, somewhere a guy's 65 and somewhere else he's 40, you know, everywhere else he's 48, that doesn't just make an auto bet for outright golf. No, no, it doesn't, but 
there's like five good guys in this tournament and he's one of them. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. In the concept of this, you're right. I'm talking more like holistically to what, well, um, like I, I still have to think you're going to win for me to care that I'm getting 10 more points. Yeah. But you do think that like, if we were to list the five players who could win this tournament off the top of your head, he would be one of those five. Yeah. He would be clear. He would be, Four or five. Uh, if he didn't win, la- if he didn't win last year, he's probably behind McNeely on the tout. Yes. And maybe even power. Powers won twice in the past two years. Let's not forget that. I think people just because Powers been out of sight, out of mind, because he went and played in the Hero Cup, uh, which was the Ireland versus Great Britain event, and then he stayed overseas uh, and came twentieth two weeks ago. He didn't play in Dubai last week. He played two weeks ago. He's just he's out of sight, out of mind. People have just forgotten. He went five. He went three consecutive top three. Three consecutive top fives with a win during the swing season to end the swing season. I think I may have just talked myself into Seamus Power at 25 to 1, which I think I can get a better number on if I had to guess. Ooh, each way extra. Speeth up to 12 to 1. Whoa, so generous, the sports book. Let's see, Seamus Power. I can get him up to 25. 25 is the best number I can get on him, and I might bet that. Yeah, he is. I. It's hard to me envisioning a betting card where I'm not betting on a good player near the top of the board in general, let alone how PGA tour results have come in. He is my favorite under 30 to one, but like you, I am what people like. There are probably people like, why is Mav this number, this, that it's because people like you and me are hawking it. Like I am interested when I probably shouldn't. I am interested. I'm interested in one, one like, of these guys. I don't know which one it's going to be, but I, I have a ton of interest in Mav. And I'm just not getting to Spieth at 9-1. to one. I think Spieth is like, I think Spieth is probably the best play of anyone. But 9-1 to one is such a small price for Spieth here. And I've just seen him gagging at this tournament too many times. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not there. I'll be honest. This is probably silly me and maybe my bias. And obviously, course history is a thing here. But Victor won as an amateur. I shouldn't have been surprised, but I definitely thought Victor would have been the guy at the front of the board. I had that predicted when I did the guess the odds. I thought it would be Vic and then like a point or two behind it would be Spieth and Fitzpatrick. But like, who cares? The, the, the public wants to bet on Spieth. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't care at all. He also finished second here last year, and he's won and here before. Like, won he won here, and he plays it every year. Vic. I mean, there is a narrative out there that you need to have strong around the green game. We know that Victor doesn't, so maybe that disqualifies him. But realistically, the player that wins this tournament every year is essentially the one who hits the most greens in regulation. It's how Vic wins at Mayakoba every year. Yeah, I mean, I could see Vic winning by a field goal, and I don't even think that would be all that shocking and going back to Spieth when Spieth was at his nuttest low of when he had as the lowest point of his dip potentially he still performed at Pebble same as day so that's something that I guess you know is baked into to that number that he feel like this is uh, even though there's been lots of heartbreak for him that's only because he's played so well here to create the heartbreak if that makes any sense so we're leaning power at the moment, but not gonna not gonna make the plunge as of yet. I'm not ready. I haven't bet it. I have. I actually have um, no bets now. I'm just deciding if I want to waste money on the players who I have soft spots for, and this could be a chance for them to win. 
Okay, so I have three between 50 and 100 already in. Ben Griffin, 65 to 1. David Lipsky, 70 to 5 to 1. Nick Hardy, 80 to 1. Those are the three I'm going with. There was others I really gave a hard look yeah. to, and still may, depending. Like, if I don't bet power, I mean, that's worth three of these guys. I'll just keep loading up the card, I suppose. Although, I, like I mentioned, I do want to keep a live bullet or two for alternate players on those other courses to see if I can catch a good number on them. But Alex Smalley was another one who really jumped out yes. to me uh, with the way that he's been playing. Robbie Shelton is another one that I think has been playing really well. And the uh, Taylor Moore is the other two at 75 to one. Those three guys, uh, just my numbers say they're good to watch them. I think that they're good. I think this course sets up really well for them. I just, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I prefer the other okay. three. Those three are the next three. Um, So I like a couple players you mentioned. Smalley and Moore would be the ones that I have looked at the most thus far. More off a, Quiet, very nice week last week. Unless there's another team more that was in last no, week's field. That, that was him. I think he was 13th at the Farmers. Yeah. He had a nice run up this tournament a year ago. So maybe there's something there. Poa, get get these guys. Through. There are uh, There's a legit thing to Poa putting specialists. I hate to tell you. <laughs> oh, no, it does seem very real. And I guess, I mean, I this is where I would come to you on a little, like, background on Taylor Moore um, cause sometimes seeing a guy play well at, at Tory, who I'm not like uber familiar with, but I like, and know is a young talent. I'm like, is that cause his skill set suits Tory? And this is a completely opposite skill set that's asked of you this week. I, I think sometimes that is the case. Here's the big differentiator. He's gaining almost a half stroke per round putting on Poa greens. He loses basically on every other service. There it is. And these greens are way different than what we see at Torrey. Like Torrey's greens, I mean, they're not the same as Riviera's, but they're both super fast at both those courses. These are super small, like Velcro-type greens at Pebble Beach, like super bumpy. But, I mean, just go back and look at guys that have had unusual success at both Torrey Pines and Pebble Beach. Like, how has Snedeker won those events? Like he's won both those events, I think multiple times too. Like Pebble, yeah, that makes a ton of sense that he would play really well at that course. It's a short hitter course, hit a bunch of wedges, make a bunch of putts. That was the Brent Snedeker MO for 10 years. That shouldn't translate to Tory, but it did. It certainly did. Uh, Pat, mm-hmm. I, we can't, this is going to come up a lot this year. So let's just get it out of the way. Um, Thomas Detry. Hey, your boy. Little yeah. 37th at the Farmers, 26th at the Amax. He gained two and a half strokes putting at the Amax, lost a stroke putting at Tory. At 50 to 1, this could just be a talent versus the field play for me. Although anyone listening is snickering, yeah, Feinberg talent versus the field, you mental midget. You just have to bet that guy. Don't give us this talent versus the field crap. <laughs> Guilty. I mean, how I find it really difficult to judge how talented Dietrich really is. Do I think that Dietrich is a better player than Putnam and Denny McCarthy and Matt Kuchar? Absolutely. I really do. Now, those guys have a lot of history at this course. They're specifically tailored to this type of course. People just know who they are. That's why they're higher on the betting board. The problem is... Do I think that Dietrich is a better player than Smalley or someone like Davis Riley? If if my only argument is, I think that this is a talent play. Well, if that's the argument, I feel like you should be betting those other guys. 
that is um, fair. But when I say it's a talent play, I'm you, like, you mean you like him? Believes, I believe that Dittry's like really good. So I can, I've convinced myself of that, uh, that he's really good. So I can't call it a talent play. But I totally agree with your sentiment. Are we sure he's even better than Taylor Moore, Bobby Shelton, all these sort of younger guys who are certain a handful of them are about to come into their own? No doubt. Um, just because I, I wake up on a Sunday morning early with kids and see Detri contending in Europe versus Jabroni Fields. He also contends in strong fields, though. Um, never wins. So you are you are you are right. Like put it this um, way, I, I I have no problem. It's, it's a pretty inflated. It's maybe it's not even inflated. Maybe it's what the true number should be, or probably somewhere around there, based on the strength of this field, how well he has played, how often he has contended, and just not come through. Like if you would listen, it's no different than if you threw Thirsty Lawrence into this field at like 150 to one. He'd just be an auto bet. It's like I'm probably going to bet Higo this week for no other reason than I think he can win. I've seen him win before. He goes, man, if he can just have median rounds surrounding those unconscious rounds, he will get there. He will get there. I, um, I think so, too. If there's a reason that he's also won three just, times. I mean, fantasy nationaling Dietrich in like the last 24, it's a lot of very positive green. Um, so it will be hard for me to be convinced out of it and i can't leave this region of the board without just i'm gonna do this a lot too i'm sorry i'm i'm a sucker um i'm not as confident i'm gonna bet him as i am dietry though uh pendrith so do you think that you can week. play the the taylor four pack Pe- taylor pendrith taylor more nick taylor ben taylor now that von taylor has withdrawn just make those your four bets you, you there's love a wor- you, there's you a love- worse four pack you can make That's i'm true. telling you <laughs> you just love taylor pendrith what are we doing? Yeah, I love him. I think if he played a full season last year, like wasn't sidelined with that injury, he would be in a different tier. And you could argue he's probably already maxing out like his betting tiers for a guy who has never really done anything. But I'm silly enough to believe if he wasn't sidelined for those months last year. Um, yeah, and I believe in him. So I, I kind of I'm silly enough to believe the numbers are still a little high based on what I think he is relative to to most fields, not even shitty ones. Here is the issue I have with Pendrith. He has one repeatable skill that he is truly elite at. He is amazing off the tee. However, he's only slightly better off the tee than like Dean Burmeister. Oh, don't you? He, he really is. Like when you look at the numbers, like <laughs> Dean, Dean, Bur- Dean Burmeister has one discernible skill. He fucking mashes the ball off the tee and gains a bunch of strokes. And so does Pendrith. Now, Pendrith has weird things where he can, like, very rarely is Dean Burmeister going to gain four and a half strokes on the greens. Pendrith can do that. But overall, he's a really shitty putter. And when you go look at his approach play, like he has, he spiked four times last year in approach play. It was at the Honda, the Rocket Mortgage, in the BMW and the Wyndham. And he had a top 25 in each of those. He was second in Detroit, but he has some like bad runs. Like even last week, minus three. RSM, minus four. Houston, minus two. Like he just has a lot of minuses in the approach game here. And this isn't the type of course necessarily where I think you're going to get away with bombing it and making a bunch of putts if you're not hitting your wedges. Now we've seen him play well. It's, it's weird to see where he has played well. And maybe this is something that you can point to in a positive favor. I'm just trying to talk this through in real time. Let's try to 
give some insight of how I make my decisions about this stuff. RSM, shorter course. T15 there. Houston, long one. You know, he wasn't very good there. He played the American Express and Farmers, both long courses. Fortnite, long course. Shriners, longer course. BMW, for the life of me, can't remember where they played that. I assume it's a playoff event. It's a longer course. Memphis, longer course. Wyndham, shorter course. 13th. Rocket Mortgage is pretty big, but with short par fours, came second. Uh, The Players, where he came in 13th. Obviously, that's a very short course. Honda, 25th. Obviously, that's a much shorter course than we're used to. He was 49th in this field last year. He had a top five in Bermuda, another shorter course before that. So maybe, just maybe, he's a lot in that Gary Woodland and Cam Davis camp where, yeah, his big weapon is how far he can drive the ball. But in reality, he's better when he clubs down and plays these shorter courses. So what you're saying is I'm betting Taylor Pendrith at the Honda. Yes. Done in that shitty field, or he might be 25 to one. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. You, you made a very, that's why I like asking and, and you talked it through, but I love hearing all of that. And I love the logic that goes into those sorts of um, decisions. And again, it's almost like betting outright golf is hard, like landing. It's almost a process of deciding who you're not going to bet just as much as like who you are going to bet. And that is, you just sort of laid that out a bit in one way. I do think that Pendrith gets somewhat overrated. Maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe he is like the next big, like he'll be the no, top the president's pick. cup. He got TV time for a guy that's really accomplished nothing. There's 100%. And this coming from me, 100%. You can make an argument to a casual golf fan that Taylor Pendrith is insanely overrated. I think you see the skill, the underlying skills that he has, and he's sort of like the anti Morikawa in a weird way, where Morikawa has his repeatable skill is the most important skill that you can have in like on winning on the PGA Tour, hitting irons immaculately. That over time is going to win you more tournaments than anything else. It as we see because Morikawa wins tournaments and Denny McCarthy doesn't. You see what I'm saying? But driving is also a big, like it's a flashy skill for one thing, and it is repeatable for him. And there are tournaments where that is really going to play well, gaining six strokes off the tee. Just doesn't feel like Pebble's one of them. Yeah, that's very, that's very well put. Pebble will neutralize that. I'm not looking for a bomber at Pebble. I mean, we've seen, sure, Dustin Johnson's, they they could take it apart, but not in the, in the pro-am, um, Course layout, course difficulty, a, a bomber doesn't really do much for me. And a, yeah, you know, oh, I, 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 I would say that the difference is it's not that a bomber can't win here or it's and you mentioned Dustin. Like he's a good player. Good players win here. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a difference between Dustin and Pendrith in that sort of thing. It's Dustin's not just a bomber. He actually happens to be very good at everything. There's no counter to that. Anyway, I don't want to talk you out of Pendrith or Dietrich, but I want to give you my pushback of why I'm not there. You can be there all you want. I don't care. <laughs> no, no, that's I, I, I ask you. I want to hear the um, I want to hear the pushback. I like when you take my perception and then you, you toss a little reality on it. That's what I'm here for. By the key stats that I've worked out in this field, the top five plays short-term over the past 24 rounds, Ben Griffin, Lipsky, Hoagie, Smalley, and Callum Terran. That's so gross. 
No, I bet two of those guys, Griffin and Lipsky. And I, I could be talked into Smalley. Shelton's in there, too. Ben Taylor's inside the top ten. Let's talk about long shots, unless there's anyone else. I mean, bombs, let's call them now, in this range. Is there anyone else you want to talk about? I'm just going to bring it bring it back up here. Not, not entirely. Like, uh, you mentioned kids. Taylor Moore. Davis Riley. Sneaky. Um, it's good to maybe see Lonto. Lonto back, but no, I don't really have. Uh, I don't really have much that I want to go with. With here, Pat Nate Lashley, hundred and thirty to one on DraftKings. Well, we're not at the hundred. Oh, yet. sorry, you said bombs. I've misinterpreted, but now bombs are the other ones. Sorry. You did mention Lonto. Uh, Lonto's returning. Uh, he was injured for a while. Doesn't Lonto play? I don't. Is this a type of court? Lonto always seems to surprise me at much harder courses. He does. Uh, very good on Poe. He was 16th at this tournament last year. He was ninth in 2020 uh, at this tournament as well. So a good run the past two starts that he's had. And he looked, he made the cut last week at Farmers. It was his first start since back surgery at John Deere. It wasn't like the greatest performance, but. I don't anticipate that being a course where Lonto was going to play great anyway. He has some good run uh, at the Farmers over the years. Putts really well on Poa. Is Lonto just sort of who Seamus Power, like Lonto before he got hurt and had the back injury, is essentially just what Seamus Power is right now, isn't he? Oh, I love that. I love that comparison. I see that the second you you bring that up. Um, this is probably embarrassing for me to ask you. And is it... Um, Baroff tweeted this morning, the most popular bet at Pebble Beach hasn't picked up a golf club in 11 weeks. I don't know who he's talking about. Is that embarrassing? 11 weeks? Are people betting on Bill Murray? I have no idea. Kiz? No, I have it, no... It, it's Kiz. Kiz is like, like... Kiz hasn't played since the RSM. Oh, so he played the President's Cup, played the RSM, and packed it in. He was on the Kids in cold weather. Oh, hold on, hold yeah. on. Kids was on the President's Cup team? No, that's impossible. Yes, he was. No, he wasn't. Was he? Hold on a sec. Now you're making me, like, second-guess my brain, and I'm part of it is certain he oh, was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was on the President's Cup team. There we go. Totally forgot about Willie, that. Willie got hurt. That's, and he was the ad, wasn't he? But there was someone, yeah, and then no one else. Horschel, kind of... Horschel was on it. Yeah, yeah. I, Kisner was on. Kisner was. It was like a lifetime achievement award. They hooked Kisner. <laughs> I guess they screwed themselves by not having him on the team in France. I'll continue to beat that drum forever. But your boy, sick. but that also doesn't mean he should be on the other teams. Yes. No, I agree. It yes, is, yeah, it doesn't get you in there as well. So uh, I'm not betting kids coming off an 11 week layoff. I do like the course for him. Listen, this this does play to his skill sets. That's why he plays Pebble Beach and doesn't play Torrey Pines. He's been very open about that over the years. But I, I'm just probably not going to get there on him. Kisner off an 11 week layoff, Pat, like flying cross country to California in cool temperatures. Something doesn't like something seems not kosher about this. Why? What do you mean? It just seems very... Okay, I get it's a short course. It's a course fit. It just seems... Uh, I don't know. It just seems 
weird. Kisner, like, he doesn't like California. He hates California. It's like that, too liberal for him. Is, is that is that true? Is that why you think he hates playing in these these lib tournaments that Clint Eastwood is a speaker at? Maybe he loves <laughs> Clint. Not, has to go meet Clint. I'm not sure. I hope I'm not making this up too with Kisner hating California. I gotta go double check that. Oh, what? I meant nothing. I'm trying. I made a mistake last week, but I'm trying to remember who I misspoke about, and now I can't. Uh, Don't let the internet nothing. bully you into saying whatever you want and speaking it as the truth, Jeff. Don't do that. That's why people love you. Okay, I completely lost my train of thought. Yeah, I'm Kevin sorry. Kisner hates California. Too many libs. Your words. <laughs> I'm text DB. He probably knows. He's friends with Kisner. Yeah, I bet you he would tell you Kisner hates California. Maybe. A lot of taxes in California. I can see that. Anyway, here are the rest of the guys that I like. I like Merritt at 100. Ben Taylor, I played at 125 with five places. Crazy Carl. Carl, good to see you at the top of the leaderboard. Maybe he'll be my one and done, Jeff. 200 to one, five places. Crazy Carl. Carl one. That's your super. That's your super bomb? Yeah, he's 200 to 1. And just to go look, he's second in this field in opportunities gained. I think he went three times on Corn Ferry last year. Like, dude's legit. He just has the issue of, like, being really bad sometimes. But who gives a shit? He's 200 to 1. If you believe in somebody, this is the event to pull that pull that trigger, I guess. I mean, I'm not... Uh, Carl Wan is now 150 to 1 at DraftKings Sportsbook, as I am seeing in real time. Hey, my guy, yeah, there's... Eric Cole, he's 250 to 1. Is Ben Griffin going to be the most popular bet this week? I don't know. I was told it's going to be Kisner, but Ben Griffin makes a lot of sense, and I could easily see myself... Um, I could easily see myself betting on Ben Griffin. Are you out on Doug Gim here? Yeah, I don't. I don't want Gim at a putting contest. I'm sorry. Like Nate Lashley, I, you mentioned his name. I, I think that he's very live for this. Higo is there. Like, there's so many guys that I just want to throw like ten, ten bucks on or something like that. Just call them like half whatever. Like, there's no real difference between Juan and Lashley and Callum Taron and Higo. I just happen to pick Merritt, Taylor, and Juan because of their potential iron upside. But I'll probably end up on Higo. But like Lonto and Smalley, now that I've I've basically called Lonto the poor man's power, might have to bet on him. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad, I don't think that's a bad bet at all. He's 80 to one. I, I can do that. I'll do it right now. Okay. Well, I'm doing talking. something really stupid. I'm trying to deep dive Marcel Seam, but obviously he's very limited in PGA stats. Yeah, so doesn't he play on the senior tour? Is he that old? I don't know. He's the guy with the knife in his mouth picture, right? The German dude with the he's ponytail? The, 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 the German ponytail. Yeah, he is not on the he's not on the senior tour. He's born in 19. He's 42. The only all I'm seeing for his results are the Barbasol. Yeah, because he very rarely plays on the PGA Tour. He plays on the European Tour. Yeah, the Barbasol and Majors are the only things I can... Uh... How, how, how many Majors is Marcel Seam qualified for? 
He plays, he's played in the open in 2021 and the PGA championship in 2015. So not many. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Marcel. But we're really at the dirty here. Marcel last played at the end of 2021. Currently 343 in the world rankings. He was T19 at the Afrasia Bank Moritus Open. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm not making a 200 to 1 bet. I might not even have a I'll probably have a 100 to 1 bet for sure cuz I can't I can't um I can't resist. And before we leave, I'm just checking one guy. He was coming around last year. I want more than 90 to one if I'm going to think about betting Russell Knox. Though. I, I thought you were going to say Bo Hostler, who had this tournament won last year and gagged it away. Okay. That was on the tip of my head, but I was worried I was going to misspeak because I was going to. There was a little run where Hostler. He sh- he popped up in a lot of places last year, but the thing about. No, no, Hostler, okay, hold, hold on. What's popping up in a lot of places? Sorry, for Bo Hostler, he had like a little window where he popped up a bit. But the thing is, you could literally, my friend made this joke to me, you could literally make a a bet that at one point Bo Hostler will be top five in the tournament, but he will not finish in the top like 40. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty accurate. I would. He look- did that a bunch last year was all I was trying to say. And my perception could be reality there. But I just remember him deep in a lead in a bunker. And no, no. When when the most is demanded of Bo, it kind of goes away. But I would I would look at the other tournament where he actually played well last year. He was T4 in Texas at the Valero, another weak field. And if you just go look at who played well at that tournament a year ago, it's all the guys who play well at this tournament because it's all the same guys. Merritt. I mean, it was Matt Jones, Kuchar, Hostler, Matias Schaub, Fratelli, Todd, Lahiri, Siwu, it used to be Mito, Denny McCarthy, Stenson, Streelman, Nate Lashley, like all these guys. They're the ones who played well at Valero and Pebble. Sorry, are you, you just said he was leading here last year? Yeah, he was in the final group last year. It was him, Hoagie, and Putnam were the final group. Oh, I'm looking at something. This is miscut, but I'm an idiot, I guess. Last year was 2022, right? That's correct. Okay. I don't want to out anybody. Let's see, what did he end up finishing? He finished third last year. I don't know how to read something. That's bad. You should learn how to read. Maybe you can go no, to the, the Hooked on Phoenix Waste Management Open, and then you'll learn how to read. Okay. Do you want to move on to the quick picks, or do you just want to, like, stare at the screen no. some more? I'm just staring at something that has Bo Hostler fit Mish cutting and Pebble finishing third at the Sony. Well, that's wrong. Okay. <laughs> I won't tell you where I'm getting from okay 
I know it's not FantasyNational.com because I'm looking at FantasyNational.com where it tells me he came in third last year. And I remember watching it at the same time. So that is very helpful. I'm such a loser. Are you looking at someone who's not Bo Hostler? If I say nothing, will that confirm the answer is yes? Who are you looking at? I have the Kevin Kisner page up. <laughs> Sorry. It's so... I was up late. I watched golf. I watched <laughs> European golf from about 3 a.m. to just before 6. Yeah, I'm sorry. Quick picks for the Pebble Beach AT&T Pro-Am. I got, now that I've live bet Lonto, let's throw him on the list too. <laughs> Just a bunch of fucking losers this week. Griffin 65, Lipsky 75, Hardy 75, Lonto 80, Merritt 100, Ben Taylor 125 with five top five each way, Carl Juan 200 with a top five. I might go to the top of the board. I might not. I don't know what the hell I'm doing over here. This tournament sucks. I also did play the boost that I saw earlier this morning. That is a Spieth DJ double for 93 to 1. I threw 25 bucks on that just for kicks. Speeth DJ double 93 to one. Yeah, it was boosted to 93. I believe it's 78 to put them together and just they gave me an extra 20 points. I was like, yeah, this could happen. Why not? It's two, it's two tournaments where the favorites always win between this and Saudi. Why not just roll the dice? Yeah. Uh, for me, it'll be pretty simple. Uh, although I haven't made any bets yet, they're going to go in momentarily. Uh, Seamus Power, 25 to 1. Thomas Detry, 50 to 1. It's probably the better way to play and this I tournament. Really like, I really like your um, your Taylor Moore shout-out, which feels a little more under the radar than how popular Ben Griffin will be, but those are two guys I could easily see myself being a part of, um, being a part of as well. So I do want that live opportunity, power or Mav, depending on what the number comes down to. If I do take a shot sub 30 to 1, it'll be one of those two guys. Or I might just end up with Smalley and Smalley, Lashley, and Higo on the card or something crazy like that. Uh, from like 60 to 1 to 200 to 1, depending on where those guys fall. This is the problem when you Did- win the week before, Jeff, is that you just start wasting money on all these jabronis. <laughs> Yeah, but it worked. You went 4-0 in football last week. You came into the board with lots. You had bets in on the go. You hit on Homa. You you had a you hit you then win on Homa. You got money in the you got money in the pool. You're seeing the board good. You got bets on the go already. Let's uh get Mayo a double dip here and hopefully I'm tailing. And listen, don't let me ever complain. I mean, I'll complain about bad beats, but I do have to remember that like I hit a Miles Sanders all the way under same game parlay yesterday, which should not have hit. <laughs> He just, saw he just stopped saw playing at some point in the game. He's like, all right, let's go. Uh, <laughs> so things, yeah, that was... things broke my way over the weekend, and I went 2-0 against the spread again, so that was nice. Uh, so just pi- piling up the football monies after getting destroyed like the final three weeks of the season. One and done picks for Pebble Beach. Tim has selected Macklemore, world's greatest rapper, or top five rapper, according to Tim, as his one and done. Otherwise, he's going with Justin Rose as his pick. I will take, who, who did you had sung, Jay Austin? Actually, it's your pick. Seamus Power. Shit, that's who I was going to take. I'll take Mav, then. Mav McNeely for me in the one and done. Good enough. Any plays on Saudi? Or are you going to dig into that later? 
I honestly haven't even um, opened up those odds. Uh, Bryson's 33 to 1. Didn't he just have a surgery? He just had surgery. He just got a puppy. We know that. I saw he got a puppy. That's all I've seen from Bryson. Yeah. He does not seem. He's not as big anymore. He lost a lot of weight. I would like to see Bryson get back to being awesome. I don't know what quantifies that in the new structures of golfing world, but I enjoyed Bryson being awesome. Let's see. You got the Raz Al Gould Championship. Sky and Tom will be covering that over on the DP World Tour. Who the hell is in that field? I know that's not even that one. That's a Japanese tournament, which I have no idea. Or a South African tournament. What is the what is the European one this week? I don't even know anymore. Saudi International. Let's see. DJ is seven. Cam Smith is eight. Neiman. I mean, this field's way better. Neiman is ten. Cam Young is twelve. Brooks is twenty. Reed is twenty. Didn't Brooks just win this? Like on the Live Tour? Wasn't this the one that he won at this course? I don't know if if it was the same course. To be perfectly honest, uh, it was. What are his odds? Twenty to one. And as much as the jokes are easy and they're low-hanging fruit, I mean, we saw there was a time watching the golf this weekend where behind Rory was pretty much... Um, live. Reed, Poulter, Bland, Weisberg, Weisberger's live too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so maybe. And I can say people love just like cheap heat, low-hanging fruit live jokes. I made at 1.30 in the morning last week, I made a Brooks joke, just quote tweeting a, a Srixen golf Brooks thing. And it got like 800 likes. People just like, people just love the cheap heat. And I will tell you, I told you, Pat, that I am pretty sure uh, this, I should not be verbalizing this, but I'm going to. I am certain that as we record this today, Live Golf has not renewed its bot farm contract yet. It has not renewed it. The exact tweet that I sent out last week, I would have been inundated, inundated with these guys on top of a sweatshop. I didn't get a single, I don't think I got a single bot interaction other than a dude telling me he's got the perfect two game parlay and I missed his winners yesterday. They played this course twice last year. Brooks won at the end of the year, and Varner had that chip in to win earlier in the year. I bet Varner in that, Pat. I might have bet him at 25 to 1. It was such an embarrassingly low number, and I did it, and he won. He chipped in. I think he beat Bubba he at did. the wire. There. He did. But it, Bubba's on live, right? Yeah, Bubba's on live. It there, can be hard to keep track, but Bubba's on live. Well, there's just a couple guys, because when you go to live, you're so like out of sight, out of mind, like... I'm looking at it right now. Totally forgot that. Uh, what's his name? Cam Tringali is on the live tour. Um, totally. No clue. Yeah. Out of sight. A guy like Cameron Tringali just out of sight, out of mind. Like he doesn't even exist anymore. And that's not an insult to Cameron Tringali. It's just the facts on the ground. Out of sight, out of mind. Did, did you see that? Uh, Cust has made two picks to win the Masters race so far. Mito. Yeah, and it looks like Mito is playing in this tournament, but Mito didn't get clearance from the PGA Tour to play in this tournament. So I think that means he joined Liv. 
Mito is playing in this tournament, but he didn't get clearance to play in this tournament. Yeah, there are PGA players playing in the Saudi International right now. Like you have, oh. like uh, let's see, Munoz is playing. Cam Young is playing. There's a few of them that just went over to get the cash grab, and the PGA is like, yeah, whatever. You're independent contractors. We don't want to fight on this. There's like three or four of them. Lucas Herbert is another one who's in this tournament who's not on Live. But it's mainly Live guys who are on it. But Mito didn't get the clearance in order to play from the PGA Tour because he's still, I know it's all long been rumored that he's joining Live, but he hasn't ha- actually done it yet. I think this may be him joining Live. I assumed he was on live. I mean, the last I've seen on Mito are sort of Instagram pictures of him having meals at the all live table. This is like when the NWO let Scott Norton into it. Like eventually you just get past the point of no return. Too many guys. They should have kept this. Like yeah, but six- Mito is Mito is, I mean, he might not have the cachet, but I don't know. He's a good young, uh, a good young player like yeah. for all the scott nortons they could take mito was kind of like oh why are you taking you know a potential good player yeah i can see that i, I just don't feel like live needs any young players weirdly enough like they don't have enough heat to build the younger players so fuck it just go get names people know people don't people don't really know who mito is the chilean rookie from last year okay so i see what you're saying the like like the Polters Mito, of the world are so much more valuable to live than Mito is. Weirdly Polters, enough. Babas, like a hundred times out of a hundred over these guys. Yes. But in their mind, they're trying to build something that's long lasting and sustainable. So they want to have a crop of uh, young guys. Yes. But we all know, we, we, we all know, we all know that's just not going to happen. <laughs> so good luck on the CW. Yeah, that'll, yeah. Again, I said it before. When it's like the most low-rung PGA events and they have they have methodically scheduled their events against the worst PGA events, I'm for sure going to watch Brooks and Bryson and Cam and DJ over Mark Hubbard. Like, that's not even a debate to me. Doesn't mean I have to, like, support or be, like, pro-live with my verbiage, but I will watch it when it's on versus, like, the, the nut-low PGA. Who else is playing in this? Cameron Champ is playing in this tournament. Sharma. Now, there's a guy they should have got for Liv is Sharma. Remember how in everyone was in on Sharma for like three weeks? Yeah, like they got Lahiri. So, yeah, we should have gotten Sharma. Okay. I remember Sharma had the thing where he introduced himself to Phil out of putting green and he was leading the tournament and (laughs) Phil like didn't even know who the guy was. But whatever. Yeah, that was in Mexico. Oh, yeah. Those first of Mexico events were fire. Yeah. You had the JT, the JT walk off to get into the playoff with Phil. And I think Phil won in the playoff. You had Tiger challenging, like made that ridiculous shot out of that bunker. And that, that course itself was just really weird. And even Tiger was like on his knees behind a green under a tree, hit a great little shot. Oh yeah. Totally. free. And that was one of the Phil like weird, stupid drops. There's a sprinkler head in here. It was that, that was that, it was at that course, Chipotlepec. That's where the debut, that's the first event of live is at Chipotlepec. I thought it was at Mayakoba. Oh shit. Sorry. You're right. I was just thinking they stole PGA. Yeah. Oh, yeah you it think is that everything in Mexico is the same. Don't you Jeff? No. I All thought Mexican that- golf courses look the same to you. <clears throat> No, I just knew it was a Mexican golf course that was a PGA golf course, and I forgot about Mayakoba. 
The general, Richard T. Lee, is in the field over in Saudi. He's Canadian, by the way. Just all these crazy Asian tour players that we can get in on. Anyway, they should just schedule against the Byron Nelson or the Zurich, an Asian tour event in North America, and let live guys and PGA guys both play on it. People would love that. That makes a lot of sense. You take an Asian tour event to like Vancouver or California, you kill it. Except for Kevin Kisner. He wouldn't want to play. Don't make it. I didn't mean it. He missed the cut last year. It's his first event in 11 months. He's flying across the country in cold weather. It's a little, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm totally out on Kisner this week. All right. Me too. We're on agreement with that. All right. The newsletter will be out on Wednesday evening. I'll have the Tambo back in studio. All the final bets then. Go to fantasynational.com slash mayo. Get yourself 20% off and start your research on everything. The research show is already out on Mayo Media Network. Additionally, we'll be back for football tomorrow with me, Jeff, and Cust. Till then, fill up the Listeners League, okay? I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.